Do you have a ghost howling in your house? Do you have a werewolf stalking you at night? Do you have a vampire in your attic? Is Bigfoot walking beside you in the forest? Do you have cryptids and paranormal events and encounters in your life that you can't explain? Do you need explanations into the unknown? Well, I have a solution for your problems. The Foggy Jack Paranormal Research Foundation. For more information, please visit www.foggyjackparanormal.weebly.com. And remember, the thing stalking you at night may want to kill you. Welcome to Foggy Jack Radio, presented by the Foggy Jack Live Podcast Network. We understand that in order to revolutionize the future, we must understand the past. Please enjoy the show. When you watch horror movies in summer, do you cry out of angst for the Halloween season? (laughs) Have you ever wondered what happens behind dark, spiderweb-encrusted curtains of a haunted house? Do you believe that ghosts, goblins, and witches walk the same street you do? Do you have to snort pumpkin spice just to get your fix? Well, boy, oh boy, do I have a solution to all of your aching problems. The Foggy Jack Live Podcast. Where the Haunters Meet the Haunted. Each week on the show, you'll learn behind-the-scenes info of the haunt industry, the talk of the paranormal and cryptid industry. We also talk about horror movies, Halloween, and so much more. So please join us each week for this creepy, kooky, mysterious, and spooky Foggy Jack Live podcast. And we'll catch you down in the pumpkin patch where the haunters meet the haunted. Hello everyone, we are kicking it old school today with some old school radio. I hope you enjoy this episode. Sometimes I think the classics and the oldies get lost in the mess of the new age and high tech. We need to sometimes take a step back and look through our parents' or our grandparents' eyes and see in the black and the white. These radio shows are what started the horror we have today, so we as horror and haunt enthusiasts can never and I mean never forget where it all started. I really hope you enjoy this program. Now let's kick it back to some old school radio. The Foggy Jack Network. For more shows like this one please visit www.foggyjack13.weebly.com I'm E.G. Marshall. Welcome to the sound of suspense. Come in. Welcome. I'm E.G. Marshall. Welcome to the sound of suspense. To the fear you can hear. Welcome to the world of terrifying imagination. Our story is about a very old man living just outside a tiny village. A very old man whose long life has been lived close to the soil and close to the people he loved. People still living and people long dead. I still... Still, girl. Is it very bad? I don't know. She's very dear to me. If I should lose her... She's trying to raise her head. 
She knows I want to help her. Do you think you can? Young man, I never said I was a doctor. But I thought, I mean, the way I'm you... I'm just an old man. A very old man. Our mystery drama, A Very Old Man, was written especially for the Mystery Theater by Elspeth Eric and stars Santos Ortega. I'll be back shortly with Act One. Look long and carefully at the face of a tiny baby. Look carefully and long into the face of someone who is very old. Do you see the wisdom in both? The very young and the very old have wisdom. In between, there is only accumulated information. Oh, you're home. Good. Well, he's done it again. Who's done what? Are you talking about my father? You know I am. I warned him. I said, Stefan, if it ever gets around, you'll ruin my medical practice. People won't believe in me. They'll only... Manfred, come sit down. Now, what's he done? The same thing. Where is he? Isn't he home? Not yet. He went to the cemetery, as usual. But you still haven't told me what happened. Well, Anna Brandt came to see me about a month ago. Severe attacks of pain in the upper abdomen. All the symptoms indicated appendicitis. I sent her to Carl Weiss for the operation. Of course, he examined her, too. And he agreed with me. No doubt about it. Inflamed appendix had to come out. Well, he operated the next day. And that night, that same night, she had another attack. Well, so it wasn't... How really... could she have had another appendicitis attack when he'd just taken her appendix out? Well, he was as flabbergasted as I was. Yes, but what's it all got to do with my father? Stefan happened to be in my office the day Anna Brandt first came to see me. Oh. You know how he loves to hang around the office. Anna Brandt wasn't ten feet out of the office when he told me there's nothing wrong with her appendix. Oh, not again. I can't have my father-in-law, who's been a farmer all his life, telling me, a doctor with a reputation, that I don't know what's wrong with my own patients. Of course you can't. For a minute, I... I did think back to that boy, the one with the asthma. What seemed to be asthma, anyway. The Rothberg boy. Mm. Father was right about him. I know, I know. He made a lucky guess. Father went to see him every day. Talked to him, rubbed his chest, his throat. In two weeks, the boy was all right. The boy was hysterical, over-aspirated, nothing more. But this business with Anna Brandt, the day she came to see me, Stefan was asleep in the waiting room. I was explaining to Anna that I couldn't perform the operation, simple as it is, because of my hands, my arthritis. But I would send her to Carl Weiss. Well, she accepted that. Everybody knows about my arthritis. And she said something pleasant to Stefan. That was the first I knew that he wasn't asleep. Well, he didn't answer her. He just stared at her as though he'd never seen her before. I reached for the phone to call Carlisle. Stefan got up, came over to the desk, and took the receiver out of my hand. Manfred. Does Stefan don't. It's not so. Not so. <laughs> Have you had a bad dream, old man? It's not so what you said to Anna Brandt. There's nothing wrong with Anna Brandt's appendix. Uh, Stefan, don't start diagnosing again. You're not a doctor. There's nothing wrong. We had enough trouble after you diagnosed the Rothberg boy. The Rothberg boy never had asthma. All right, it turned out that he didn't. But that was a lucky guess. 
And it didn't do my reputation any good when word went around that you'd been right. I never told anybody. Yes, but the boy did. And his mother did. And people started coming to the house, coming here. All of them wanting to see you. But I told them to go away. It's not always that I can help. Well, I keep hoping, expecting God knows what miracles. Now are you going to start the whole thing up again with Anna Brandt? There are three of them. Come on now. Get your coat, Stefan. They're dark, brown or black, and hard, hard. It's getting late. They're the size of olive pits. Are you talking about Anna Brandt? I saw them close together. They were high in her body. About here. Three of them. You saw them, hmm? Three of them. The size of olive pits lying here above the stomach. About here. Have you got x-ray eyes, Stefan? Is that it? No. No, my eyes are like everybody's. Well, then, what do you mean you, 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 you saw them? Her body was transparent. I could see right through it. As though the skin had been removed. I could see everything. Carl Weiss was as confident as I was before the operation. And he was as confused as I was after. I swear I don't know what made me say it, but I said it. I said, Carl Weiss, cook of olive pits. Goldstone, perhaps? Well, he was taken aback a little, but he couldn't deny a possibility. Maybe a remote one, but a possibility. I felt like a fool, but I told him I thought he should go ahead. And he did. This morning. And he found? Gallstones. Three of them. The size of olive pits. Lie still, girl. Is it very bad? I don't know. She, She's very dear to me. She's trying to raise her head. She, she's trying to tell you something. She knows I want to help her. Do you think you can, Doctor? Young man, I never said I was a doctor. What? But the way you... I'm just an old man. A very old man. Well, I, I took it for granted the, the way you spoke. My son-in-law is a doctor. Manfred Gottlieb. I live with him and my daughter, Bertha. Oh, then, then you know something. You've, you've learned things no, from him. No, I know nothing. Only what I see, what I feel. When I passed you by the cemetery, what were you doing? My wife is buried there. Did I harm her? No. No, I even think she's a, a little better. Her eyes, they, they look brighter. Not so full of pain. should they be? Now, let me... Well, your hands are warm. On a night like this, more than warm. Hot. Very hot, as though they were burning. Burning from inside. If it should get around about Anna Brandt. You don't think I'd tell anyone. Well, these things have a way of leaking out. 
Look, you're not going to tell Father, are you, that, that Carl Weiss found the three stones? You think I shouldn't? He wouldn't tell anyone. He didn't tell anyone about the Rothberg boy. It was the boy's mother who shouted it from the housetops. And look what happened. People showing up here. When he saw them, he, he hid in his room. And when they left, he went to the cemetery, sat by my mother's grave. You think that he's there now? Oh, I suppose. Sometimes he stays for hours. I wish he'd get home before the rain starts. Emily, my dear. Come now, Emily, my precious. I need you. You are my strength. I can do nothing without you. Come to me, my darling. Come to me, my darling. thinking that any of this is real. He mustn't think that he has some some magical power. Listen, if you treat him as though he were possessed in some way, he might begin to believe it, and then his mind... Who knows what might happen? Bertha, have you thought that... Well, that perhaps it's already happened? No. That he is deranged? I won't believe that. He's my father. I, I love him. He's, he's old and childish, and sometimes I'm impatient. I am, too, often. Only the way I'd be with a child. In many ways, he is my child. The only child I have. Oh, my dear. I thought you'd stop brooding about that. Oh, I have. I have. I, I stopped last year when I turned 40. But that's why. Because I have no child, he's, he's twice as precious to me. I understand. I do understand. You know that I'm fond of him. Then let's leave him as he is. Don't, don't let him think he's different from other people. Whatever you say. You know, the widow Holder has been asking for him. Widow Holder? Why? They keep telling me in the village that she has this great swelling on her head. Big as an egg. Yes, I've heard about it. And she's afraid of doctors. Bertha, you don't suppose... Oh, the rain it started. It's coming down like crazy. Oh, thank goodness. I made it. Just in time. But you shouldn't take such chances. Why weren't you home for dinner? Where have you been? I, I kept something hot for you. Thank you, thank you. Now, give me your coat. That's it. Oh, where were you all this time? I didn't Bertha tell you at the cemetery. You didn't go to see anybody? No, I didn't go to see anybody. No. Here's a plate for you, Father. Nice pot roast and potatoes. Oh, thank you, Bertie. I'm sorry I wasn't here for dinner. I lost track at the time I ran into somebody. We talked a little. Oh. Manfred, let's go up to bed. Uh. Father, you, you'll be all right? Of course I'll be all right. Go to bed. Oh. Good night, dear. Good night, daughter. Good night, sir. Oh, uh, Manfred. Yeah? How is Anna Brandt? Anna Brandt? I thought about it tonight, in the cemetery. Is she all right? Yes, she's fine. I thought she was. I had a feeling... Good night. Enjoy your dinner. Good night. His asking about Anna Brett, he hasn't even mentioned her since that day in the office. Oh. Bertha, could he have heard about Carl Weiss finding the gallstones? Oh, he'd have said so. 
He always says precisely what's on his mind. There are times when I wish he didn't. Listen, he's, he's talking to himself in the kitchen. Sounds as though he's calling someone. Manfred, he's an old man. Leave him be. Oh, please close the door. Come to bed. It, it sounds like... like Amelie. What? Did, did you say Amelie? Wasn't that your mother's name? No. No, it was my sister's. Well, Bertha, I... I never knew you had a sister. You never told me. It was so long ago, before I was born. Their first child. She only lived an hour. My mother told me they'd just agreed on a name. Father leaned over the crib to kiss her, and she was dead. But that, that was 45 years ago. All these years, he's never mentioned her. What was that? The door opened downstairs. Well, he's gone out. In this rain. Where could he have gone? There's only one place. He's gone to the, the cemetery. When those around us cannot understand, where do we turn? When the world is dark, where do we go? To the unknown? Or to the once familiar... The once well-known, the once well-loved. To those who have left the dark earth and moved into light. I'll be back shortly with Act Two. Now come back with me to the story of a very old man and the people who loved him and could not comprehend him. Or could not comprehend him because they loved him. Or because they tried too hard. Breakfast on the table, Manfred. All right, darling. Oh, well, did you talk to him? He's still asleep. Oh, let him sleep. After last night. Yes, we're lucky if he doesn't come down with pneumonia. He was drenched, Bertha, soaked clear through. Lying across your mother's grave with the rain beating down on him, crying, Amelie, Amelie, as though his heart was broken. Amelie is buried next to mother. Bertha, are you going to ask him about her? Oh, it's been so long, 45 years. You know, in all that time, I've never heard him say her name. Naturally, I never mentioned it. She died years before I was born. Your mother never talked about her? Oh. Just that once, when she told me she wanted to be buried near her and how she died. Manfred, she was only one hour old. Yes, crib deaths, they happen. We don't know why. Well, they, they thought of naming me Amelie at first, my mother said. Mm, it's a pretty name. Now, uh, who's that? So early in the morning. Yes. Uh, is this the Gottlieb house? Yes, it is. And you're uh, Manfred Gottlieb, Dr. Gottlieb? Yes, I am. But I don't see patients at home. My office is... Oh, no, 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 no. I'm not a patient. The, uh, the patient's outside. Uh, well, bring the patient to my office in about an hour. No, there's no need. She's quite well. Completely cured. Well, then what's the point of... I hoped I could see the old man. Your, uh, your father-in-law, is he? Stefan? What's this about my father? Uh, madame, good morning. Beautiful morning, isn't it? After last night, all that rain. You... You wanted to see my father? If I may. Well, what about? He's asleep. Oh. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, um, when he does wake up, 
would you tell him the patient recovered and is better than ever? Lively, frisky, enjoying life to the full, romping in the fields. What, what patient is this? You said she's outside. Yes, right there. Look, look, the picture of health. Hmm? I, I, I don't you, you see any... You don't mean... Well, not the horse. Yes, my prize mare, my favorite. I thought I might have to have her put away, but your father, madame. Oh, yes, it's all due to him. Well, when was this? When did you meet Stefan? Last night. Just before the rain started. Didn't he tell you? Oh, well, come inside. Huh? Have some coffee with us. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Sit down. Manfred, get another cup. Uh, may I introduce myself? Otto Krauss. Well, I I'm Bertha Gottlieb. This is my husband. Oh, but then my father must have told you. He, he lives with us. Your father is quite a man. Mm. Your coffee. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Mm. Yes. You see, I was returning to the village... And I was passing the cemetery. Suddenly the mare sank to her knees. Her legs seemed to give way completely. And there she lay on her side in the middle of the road. I, I was frantic. I, I thought perhaps a, a stone bruise, but, but I looked at all four hooves. Nothing. And there I was. Half a mile from home, my precious horse stretched out on the road and a storm coming up. And then I heard a sound coming from the cemetery. Someone calling a name. Was it Amelie? Am yes, 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 something like that. I shouted for help. In a minute, an old man appeared. Stephen. My father. Yes. I asked him to help me, but I wasn't sure he even heard. He, he seemed very distraught. He went straight to the mayor, knelt down and took her foreleg in his hands and started rubbing it very gently. He knew which one was hurting her. And after a while... The pain went out of her eyes. Couldn't understand it. It, it was something about the way he, he touched her. I, I asked to see his hands, and he held them out. And even before I touched them, I could feel the heat spreading out from them. Heat? What heat? Haven't you ever noticed the extraordinary heat from his hands? Oh, I, I can't say that I have. Oh, but it's true. His hands give off a warmth. I I can't believe you've never noticed it. Well, it could have been on such a wet, cold night. It only seemed that way to you. You imagined it. Oh, I suppose that's possible, but I didn't imagine it when the mare got to her feet. Well, she was all right. I walked her home. I couldn't quite believe it all. I bedded her down. And this morning, all I could think was, I must tell the old man about it. There are stories going around about him in the village. Perhaps you've... Heard some of them? Well, I'm only here on a visit to see my aunt. I I don't live here. Well, he, he doesn't really do anything. He's just around, and people love him. They like to think because he's such a sweet old man that he can do things doctors can't do. And because he's such a very old man, we wouldn't want him to start thinking that there was anything miraculous about, well, about anything that happened quite naturally. Well, you think it might... Might affect him, might, might, might affect his mind in some way. He's a very old man. It, it could happen. Well, I suppose it's possible she wasn't really lame. Of course it's possible. Only ask him, will you? About his hands, those amazing hands. Yes, yes, we'll ask him. I mean, giving off that heat, I, I felt it, you know. Well, I... Uh, I'll be getting along. My my aunt's expecting me. Well, we'll tell him you stopped by. Yes, yes, I wish you would. Tell him, and, and please, 
Tell him thanks. We'll tell him. Do you think we should wake him? Come on, it's time. Yes, sir. We have to tell him about the young man. And the horse. But we won't make anything out of Nothing it. Nothing at all. Just say that he dropped by. To say thanks, mm. yes. Father? Stefan, are you awake? What time is it? Oh, it's almost nine o'clock. Why aren't you at your office? Well, it, uh... It seems that a young man stopped by to see us, Stefan. Well, actually, Father, he wanted to see you, but we told him you were sleeping. Why me? Well, it seems he met you on the road last night. He had a horse. A mare it was. That's right. The horse had a swelling. Do you feel well enough to get up now, Father? I think so. You're sure? After last night? I'm all right. All right, now, just let me help you out of bed, Stefan. Uh, yeah, I can manage. Give me your hand. Come on. Oh. That's it. Oh. Yeah. Here are your slippers. Yeah, I'll splash some water on my face. And then you'll have breakfast. Bertha. Bertha, his hands are as cold as mine. Colder. That young man did imagine it about his hands. Well, you know how it is. If your hands are cold, anyone's feel warmer, even if they're only a little warmer than your own. And he'd been riding back from the village on horseback. Yes, so, of course, his hands were very cold. Of course, of course. Yeah, my head is clearing a little. Oh, good. I'll go down and have some coffee ready for you. Thank you, my friend. And two eggs. Four minutes. Your clothes are on the bed, Father. Thank you, Bertha. Uh, Father, last night when Manfred and I came up to bed and you were eating your supper... Anyway, that's what we thought you were doing... It's what I was doing. Well, we heard you talking. Was I talking? Well, you kept saying... We heard you say... Amelie. I said what? Over and over. Father, were you talking to Amelie? What do you know about Amelie? Only what Mother told me. What did your mother tell you? That Emily died. That she only lived an hour... She was our first child. Forty-five years ago, Father. She died in the crib. I remember her so well. Why do you talk to her now, Father? Why do you call because, to her? Because she comes back to me when I call her. Father, you don't mean that. She comes back to me. To me. Not to anyone else. Only to me when I call her. You don't believe in ghosts. Emily is not a ghost. Her spirit comes back to me. When I call... Father, you can't believe I this. I am the only person left on earth she remembers. Her mother is dead. The midwife is dead. When I am dead, there will be no one for her to come back to. No reason to come back. You can't believe what you say. I don't saying. have to believe. Or not believe. I know. I won't let you. You have nothing to say about it. Nothing. I will not stay in this house and listen to you tell me that my Emily will not come when I call... I'm going to her now. Father, wait. Father, come back. Stefan, what's the matter? Get out of my way. Stefan. Father. Oh, Father. Well, he came tearing down the stairs. He brushed right past me. What's, what's the matter with him? I talked to him about Emily. I made him angry. Where's he gone? Do you know? To her. To Emily. Emily, I need you, darling. Come be with me, my darling. Your father needs you. 
I need you, my sweet Emily. Uh, old man? Oh, my Emily. Stefan? Emily. Stefan, can Emily. I help you, old man? Uh, No, no. Y- you remember me, don't you, from last night? Uh, the man, young man with the mare. She was lame. Ah, you should see her now. They told me she's better. Better than better. Come, come have a look. Please, please come. Look there. Look, look at her. Oh, my friend. Not a sign of lameness. I came to your house a little while ago. You you were sleeping. Well, they told me you were there to say thanks. There was no need for that. Oh, I'd like to do more than just leave my thanks. I'd like to invite you to my aunt's place. Oh, no, no, I, I couldn't. No, no, I'd like you to meet my aunt, please. Uh, your aunt won't mind? No, not a bit. Come on, we'll both ride the mare. Here, I'll give you a leg up. You're sure about your aunt now? Oh, she'll be delighted. She doesn't get out much these days. Is she very old? Well, she's not young, but that's not why she stays home. She has this uh, disfiguring growth on her head. It makes her shy. She should see a doctor. No, no, she won't. Absolutely refuses, won't hear of it, hates them all. Oh, that's very wrong. Oh, yes, yes, all the money in the world and won't go to a doctor. So she sits in her parlor and reads her Bible. Ah, there, there's the house. Yes, the big stone house. You know the house? I've admired it since I was a boy. My aunt bought it when my uncle died. My uncle was uh, Fritz Halder. You've heard of him, the manufacturer? I don't think so. Uh, Around here, I understand my aunt is known as the Widow Halder. Some folks are afraid of one thing. Some are afraid of another. Everyone who's afraid wants to run and hide. It's natural. Most natural thing in the world. But what may be hiding in the hiding place? That's the question. It could be something else to be afraid of. I'll be back shortly with Act Three. mounting the steps of a big stone house in the company of a very young man whose aunt is known to the village as the Widow Halder. Listen now. My, my aunt is in. Otto? Ah, there you are, just where I knew you'd be. Come in, come in, Stefan. Where have you been all morning, Otto? I missed you at breakfast. And I... Oh, you... you... You brought someone with you. Yes, this is the very wonderful man I met near the cemetery last night. When my mare went lame, Stefan, this is my aunt, Mrs. Halder. How good of you to come by. Madam. I I don't have many visitors, not anymore. And I seldom go out because of this on my head. I I don't like to be seen. I, I hope it doesn't offend you. No. No. Doesn't offend me at all. Well, it offends me. Perhaps I'm too sensitive, but that's the way I am. So I sit here and read my Bible. And that Bible's too heavy for you to hold in your lap all day. But it's the family Bible. It's the one I'm used to. I love this Bible. All right, all right. Sit down, Stefan. I'm all right. 
understand. Oh, both of you, sit down. And Otto, you tell me where you've been all morning and why you weren't at breakfast. Now, I told you last night how the mayor went lame and how I met Stefan near the cemetery. Well, this morning, I let her out of her stall and she was dancing on her toes. I couldn't believe it. Stefan hadn't done a thing but rub her postern a bit. Is that really all you did? I did nothing. Well, he talked to her, rubbed her foreleg, and talked to her. How remarkable. You're a remarkable man. No, no. Oh, you, you're staring at me. Oh, I, I apologize. It's this awful growth. Otto, fetch me my shawl. I'll, I'll cover my head. No, no, no. Please. Please. It's in my bedroom. I, I am not offended. I, I give you my word. Otto, don't go. No, no, it's all right. I'll be right back. Mrs. Alder, I am not offended. I am sorry I stared so. I will not stare again. Please forgive me. It's quite all right. Please, be calm. Sit down. I can't. Otto mentioned that you live with your daughter. Is that right? My daughter, Bertha. And your son-in-law? Manfred. They have children? No children. How sad. Oh, here comes Otto with my scarf. Mrs. Holder, forgive me, but I must take the Bible from you and... Stefan! Stefan, have you gone mad? Forgive me. I could not help myself. Aunt, Aunt, are you all right? I I think so. I saw him take the Bible off your lap. Stefan! He hit me with it. He... He brought it down on my head with all his strength. Forgive me, I didn't know what I was doing. I wouldn't hurt you, Mrs. Alder. I wouldn't hurt anybody. When I feel this way, I see things. I feel things. The Bible seemed to put itself in my hands. I didn't think what I was doing. I, I could not think. The feeling was so great that I must smash this, this thing on your head. That's all I wanted to do, Mrs. Alder, to get rid of it. And it looks to me as though you'd done that, Stefan. Aunt, go look in the mirror. I know I'm not always in control of myself. I do things I, 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 I don't know why. I see things I don't know why. But I would never hurt anyone. Uh, it, it's unbelievable. The growth is gone. Will you forgive me? There's no blood. No blood at all. All the same, I'm going to get you to a doctor. No doctors, no. No, a blow on the head like that. No, 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 I'm all right. My, my, my head is clearing now. It was just the shock. And that awful, ugly thing is gone. I don't need a doctor. Let me take you to my son-in-law. He's a fine doctor, a nice man. Maybe you've heard of him? Manfred Gottlieb? Gottlieb. Gottlieb? You will like him. Manfred Gottlieb is your son-in-law. A wonderful man. A good doctor. But you must be Bertha Gottlieb's father. You... You cured the Rothberg boy. And I've heard talk about Anna Brandt. Look what you did for Otto's mayor. Look what you've done for me. Oh. Why... You're the man I've been trying to find. I've been asking for you. It was God's hand let you hear. Let me take you to Manfred's office. I I don't need him. I only need you.
If I've hurt your aunt in any way... We'll soon know. Otto, I don't want these spells that I have. I don't ask for them. Only sometimes the pain gets so great. What pain? The pain of living. And it seems more than I can bear. I go to the grave of my wife and my baby daughter, my Emily. And I call to her. My little one who only had one hour of life. And she comes to me and gives me comfort and courage and belief. I believe that even though I can do nothing about the great pain of living, there are other pains and I can do something about them. I know I'm not quite myself when I'm like that. I know I'm not really strong or courageous. But when the spell is on me, the people in pain... They become transparent. You... You mean... You can see through them? I do see through them. How do you explain your hands? I... I, uh, Just hands? Oh, no. 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 The night you massaged the mare, I took hold of your hands and they gave off a glow, a sort of radiating warmth. I know. I felt it. They... They burned like a steady flame. Perhaps I grow feverish when Emily is with me. Now, you go home and rest, Mrs. Holder. Come back in a few days and I'll change the bandage. Or you can do it yourself. I'll do it myself. She's all right, Doctor? Right as rain. Well, what what was it? I mean, the growth on her head. It was a wen, a common, ordinary wen, a hardened cyst. If you'd come to see me, Mrs. Holder, I might have recommended that you have it removed by surgery. Oh, no. On the other hand, I might have done precisely what my father-in-law did broken it with some heavy object. (laughs) Probably not the Bible. Come, Aunt. I'll take you home. (laughs) Thank you, Dr. Gottlieb. Uh, You may get more of these growths, these wens on your head, Mrs. Holder, or someplace else on your body. Now, if you do, call me and I... Oh, no. No, thank you. I know whom to call. And you'll come, won't you, Stefan? Of course you will. No offense, Doctor, but... I put my faith in Stefan. Goodbye. Goodbye. Thank you. Goodbye, Stefan. No offense, doctor, but I put my faith in Stefan. Why did I bother to become a doctor at all? Why all those years at school? Why did I take examinations, get my license? What good is it if everyone would rather put their faith in a farmer? Manfred, I'll never do it again. Come in. The door's open. Oh, you again? A doctor... Those pains are back. Well, of course those pains are back, because you've been drunk day and night. What do you expect? Can't you do something, Doctor? No, I can't. Only you can. Stop drinking. You've been drinking steadily for 30 years, and you have cirrhosis of the liver. But but the pains are awful. Stop drinking for a month, and then come back and see me, and don't come back before. Silly old fool. Hasn't been sober for 10 minutes since he was 16. I can't help him if he won't... Manfred, he has a... An obstruction of some kind. He has a diseased liver. But he has an obstruction in the intestines. Now, look, you're not starting all over again, are you? I saw. I could see. It's getting to be more than I can take, Stefan. You're interfering. I saw. He was standing in the doorway and I saw. His body was transparent. I could see everything. In his intestines, there is an obstruction. And that's what gives him pain. Stop it, Stefan. I'm warning you. It's all so Clear, I know. I'm going to stop it if I have to. Let you, let you, 
fingers. Look how they move. Watch me unbutton my coat. Oh, Stefan, I had to lose my temper. Try to choke you in order to touch you. I might have killed you. Oh, you wouldn't tell. Bertha? Bertha! Manfred, you're excited. Excited? I'm delirious. I can go back to surgery. We'll be rich again. Our lives will change. Yours, too. I don't want my life changed, Manfred. It means my daughter thinks me mad. Oh, she won't. It's only when my Amelie is with me, my little one, that I see him. It's Emily who gives me the power. Bertha, Bertha, where are you? Are you upstairs? I'm nothing without Emily. It's her innocent soul that enters into me. What are you doing home at this hour? Bertha, where, where were you? Oh, I, I was taking a nap. Bertha, Bertha, look. My hands. Look, look how my fingers move. What happened? Your father. Your father happened. His wonderful hands. Bertha, you remember the young man with the mare? How Stefan put his hands on the mare's foreleg and the mare got up and walked? We don't know that. It's true. It's true. You haven't seen the mare? It happened to me. To me. Believe me. I can't. I didn't believe it either. But but then Mrs. Holder came to the office. Mrs. Holder? Yes. She's the aunt of the young man with the mare. Stefan went to see Mrs. Holder. He didn't. Her nephew took him there, Bertha. And Stefan broke the wen on her head with a big Bible. Oh, no. He did right, Bertha, right. It was only a wen and he was right. He didn't know what he was doing and he was right. Manfred, Manfred, you must stop this, this talk. Bertha, Bertha, after Mrs. Holder left, an old patient of mine came in. The man has been a drunk for years. I was sure his liver was enlarged, diseased. But I sent him away. And then your father said... Manfred, you are wrong. The man has an obstruction. His intestines are blocked. You believed him? No, I didn't believe him. I was out of my mind with rage that he would dare to tell me that I was wrong. And I... But Bertha, I took him by the throat. He tried to tear my hands away, and it was then. Bertha, it was... It was then that I felt the heat. 
the blessed heat from his hands entering into mine. And now look, look. Bertha, if he can use his hands, be happy. Father, how long will it last? How can I know? Your moods, your, your spells, they've bewitched us all. I never meant harm. Well, they've got to stop. I, I want you to stay away from the cemetery. I'll stay away. I'll watch you every minute. If you like. I won't let you out of my sight. I'll treat you like a child. As you were. Because you are a child. I am a very old man. From now on, you're my child. No. From now on, you will have your own child. A real child. Not me. What? I can see. The child is growing inside you. Soon you'll know it yourself. Next spring, you will bear your child and it will be beautiful. A little girl. And you will... I hope you will give her the beautiful name of Emily. Father! Then my Emily can rest. I won't have to call her anymore. She can rest. The dictionary defines it. To kill with premeditated malice. The wrongful, intentional slaying of one human being by another. But don't let a wee bit of murder upset you, friends. The people on Mystery Theater don't mind being in a dictionary. No? Then I'll tell you how the dictionary defines it. To kill with premeditated malice. The wrongful, intentional slaying of one human being by another. But don't let a wee bit of murder upset you, friends. The people on Mystery Theater don't mind being killed. Not a bit. Because every one of them is a dead head. Our cast included Santos Ortega, Norman Rose, Bryna Rayburn, and Billy Redfield. The entire production was under the direction of Hyman Brown. This is E.G. Marshall inviting you to return to our mystery theater for another adventure in the macabre. Until next time, pleasant dreams. Thank you guys for listening to this episode of the Foggy Jack Live Podcast. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at FoggyJack13. That's where we're most active, and that's where you can find all of our other shows that we have here with daily updates on the new shows. Also, click the link in the bio for our t-shirts. Make sure you grab a Foggy Jack Live t-shirt. We have quite a few different styles of t-shirts we have. From the classic orange logo to a purple logo to... Even a Playboy Mansion model logo. Go check them out in the bio. You can also find our website, all of our other social media accounts, and so much more. If you like the show, please consider joining our Patreon page for $3, $5, or $12 a month. With all of those, you get five bonus episodes a week. Plus, 
I'm going to start sending out postcards to each and every one of you every month for the podcast and thanking you guys for being a member of the Foggy Jack Live Patreon page or the Pumpkin Guts episodes. You can also be a sponsor to the show. You just go over to Patreon and look for the sponsorship tab. Thank you guys so much for joining me down at the Pumpkin Patch where the haunters meet the haunted. I will see you next time on the Foggy Jack Live podcast. Thank you. Goodbye, and blessed be. Oh, it's getting spooky in here. When you watch horror movies in summer, do you cry out of angst for the Halloween season? <laughs> Have you ever wondered what happens behind dark, spiderweb-encrusted curtains of a haunted house? <laughs> do you believe that ghosts, goblins, and witches walk the same street you do? <laughs> do you have to snort pumpkin spice just to get your fix? <laughs> Well, boy, oh boy, do I have a solution to all of your aching problems. The Foggy Jack Live Podcast. Where the haunters meet the haunted. Each week on the show, you'll learn behind-the-scenes info of the haunt industry, the talk of the paranormal and cryptid industry. We also talk about horror movies, Halloween, and so much more. So please join us each week for this creepy, kooky, mysterious, and spooky Foggy Jack Live podcast. And we'll catch you down in the pumpkin patch where the haunters meet the haunted. Here at the Foggy Jack Live Podcast, we support Haunters Against Hate because hate is the scariest thing of all. A simple statement has evolved into a nonprofit organization that gives haunters a voice to express themselves and the challenges they are facing in life and in the haunt community. For more information, please visit www.hauntersagainsthate.com. Have you been looking for a podcast that'll keep you entertained for an hour? Have you been looking for a podcast that has cryptids, paranormal, and music? Have you been looking for a podcast that'll keep you on the edge of your seat? Have you been looking for a podcast that is a combination of haunters, cryptozoologists, folklorists, and many more, all in one place? And have you been looking for a show that is a continuation and extension of the Foggy Jack Live Podcast? Well, I have a solution for you. That's called the Foggy Jack Collective Podcast, where the haunters meet the haunted from around the world. That's right. We have professionals coming in from around the world to teach about paranormal, cryptozoology, talk about horror movies, and so much more. Please join us every other week on the Foggy Jack Live Podcast or on the Foggy Jack Collective Podcast. Just gotta search either one of those and you'll find us. Hope to see you guys down in the pumpkin patch where the haunters meet the haunted from around the world. Hello everyone, we are kicking it old school today with some old school radio. I hope you enjoy this episode. Sometimes I think the classics and the oldies get lost in the mess of the new age and high tech. We need to sometimes take a step back and look through our parents' or our grandparents' eyes and see in the black and the white. These radio shows are what started the horror we have today, so we as horror and haunt enthusiasts can never and I mean never forget where it all started. I really hope you enjoy this program. Now let's kick it back to some old school radio. The Foggy Jack Network. For more shows like this one please visit www.foggyjack13.weebly.com
I'm E.G. Marshall. Welcome to the world of your own terrifying imagination. It has been said that we are prisoners in a dark closet with small openings that on occasion admit some light. Small wonder that the demons who lurk in the deepest corners are more real to us than the sweet light of reason outside. There is so much evil in our world that light turns naturally to shadow. Even the love of Stephen and Amelia Stampler for their son Michael is converted to suspicion in this dark closet we live in. Reverend Stokes, I don't want a theological debate. I want you to tell your congregation the truth. And what is that, Dr. Stabler? That my son Michael conducts his lab experiments for scientific purposes. And shall I ask him to believe in coincidence? What coincidence? That a peaceful town is ripped apart every time your son returns. That cattle die for no reason at all. That we are suffering epidemics and the worst drought in our history. All because of coincidence? Yes. This is the 20th century. What else could it be? Ask your son, Dr. Stampler. Ask your son, Michael, if he's just doing lab experiments. Our mystery drama, A Sacrifice in Blood, was written especially for the Mystery Theater by Milt Wissoff and stars Patricia Rowe and Ralph Bell. It is sponsored in part by the Kellogg Company, makers of Kellogg's Special K cereal. I'll be back shortly with Act One. And now it is time to turn to the macabre and nightmare world where there is no shortage of blood. Our tale opens on a pleasant enough note in a fashionable restaurant where Dr. and Mrs. Stampler are celebrating a special occasion. But I promise you, it will end in true gothic horror. Not another drop, Stephen. I've had my fill, and so have you. I suppose you're right, my dear, but <laughs> this is really so special. One more dig, and the Stamplers hang up their shovels. Not really. But we'll be digging up flower beds and compost heaps instead of ancient grave sites. No regrets? None, my dear. We should have retired years ago. Then why not now? I mean, what can this one dig mean? Well, it will be a fitting climax to our career, Amelia. Perhaps the most significant find of our lifetime. Professor Starubius agrees with me. The last excavations there indicate a pre-Toltec civilization existed that was not completely archaic. A highly sophisticated people. Who worship the devil. Well, why not? Most of us still do. Black masses are held in California. Covens of witches gather in New Mexico. Blood rites take place in the shadows of New York skyscrapers. Oh, nonsense. You've had too much wine. Oh, too much wine. I haven't had enough. Come, Amelia. Let's toast the occasion. To a splendid find. To a safe return. Dr. Stamper. Dr. Stamper. Yes. I am... Professor Sarubi. Oh, thank you for meeting us. This is my wife, Amelia. My great pleasure. It's very nice of you. Not at all. Oh, here, uh, let me put your bags in, please. Uh, will you get in? 
I uh, can't tell you how I've looked forward to meeting you, Professor. Amigi, if you please. And uh, I am honored by the opportunity of working with so eminent a scientist. And I would be delighted to have a nice hot bath and about three days of uninterrupted slumber. <laughs> oh, planes are almost as uncomfortable after ten hours of flight as the small donkeys we rode to the Shenandoah site. The Toltecs have always been regarded as the earliest civilization in the Americas. The new finds at Ashtapulco may show one much heavier steel. You really believe it was a civilization? Almost certainly. Not by our standards, perhaps. But certainly, in its day, you shall have the opportunity to see for yourselves. We leave at 5 a.m. Monday morning. But that's three days away. Why the delay? Ah, there is much preparation, including the paperwork. You shall get some rest, and I will have the pleasure of acting as your host, if you will permit it. Of course. And forgive my impatience. <laughs> there. It is I, Miguel. Just a second. Ah, forgive me. I know it is late, but it was necessary for me to see you. Oh, that's all right. Come on in. We weren't in bed yet. What is it? I, uh, I am afraid I have bad news for you. We will have to postpone our trip. Why? There is word of trouble in the mountains where the site is. What kind of trouble? Oh, nothing. Serious. But it will cause us some delay. Why didn't you tell us soon? I just learned it, Stephen, when I returned to my room. How long will the delay be? I was... That is hard to say. What kind of trouble is it, Miguel? An uh, Indian has been found. Murdered. It was... Uh, it was a ritual killing. His skin has been removed. Oh, God. Well, we uh, still get back to the basic question, Miguel. How long will we be delayed? Then you're still bent on going? Well, of course, Abeda. A native killing isn't going to stop me. I've encountered worse on other digs. Well, answer me, Miguel. Perhaps you should forget it, Stephen. Oh, come on. Now, both of you, I'm not going to change my plans. If you insist, we will continue. But I must warn you. It will be difficult to assemble a crew. But not impossible. No, no not impossible if, if we pay enough. There is always someone who will take a risk if the inducement is great enough. I guess you're right, Miguel. See what you can do. Then you'll go along with me? I wouldn't miss it for the world. making much headway, Miguel. Can't they dig any faster? We are up very high, Stephen. More than 10,000 feet. It is not conducive to strenuous exertion. They didn't display too much zeal on the climb, either. Well, they're not used to the altitude. Why didn't we get men who are? But you know the answer. No one else would come. You haven't seen anyone else since we got up here. They know better. They have broken through to a new chamber. Well, I hope it's more fruitful than the last one. Let's go take a look. Look there. They have an opening wide enough to go through. May I? Of course. 
This is your excavation, Stephen. Are you are you all right? Yes. Come on in. It's, my God. It's so still here. Even the echoes die after thousands of years. We seem to be in the anteroom. I imagine the main chamber is just through those doors. It would appear so. Get the men in here. We've got to get those doors open, and it looks like one heck of a job. Siga, pronto. No, no. No quiero entrar low. Siga. No, no, no. Siga, pronto. No, well, what are they waiting no. for? Eh? They will not enter. Well, tell them they'll get docked if they're not in here pronto. It is no use. They will not come. All right, then we'll get the doors open by ourselves. Let's see how thick they are. Throw me a hammer, would you? Hmm. It's pretty solid, Miguel. Look! The doors are opening. How? Perhaps Stephen struck some kind of a trigger mechanism by accident. Well, never mind how. It'll save us some sweat, that's all. Stephen, please, be careful. There's something here that makes me... I would go ahead. Not on your life, Miguel. This is one big step I'm going to take. Come on, follow me. Good Lord. It's an enormous chamber. It's like a giant cathedral. Bring the lamps up. That door. It's it's cut in a single block. Oh, yes. It must weigh at least ten tons. Look at the bar reliefs on the walls. It is the devil that these people worshipped. Beautiful. Sinister, malevolent, but beautiful. Bring the lamps forward. <laughs> what is it, Amelia? It's stone. It's piles of brilliant stone. We have found what we are looking for. The sacrificial chambers of the temple. Yes, you're right, Miguel. Can you uh, make out these inscriptions... I see, yes. They tell the story of the ritual. These were incense burners where human hearts smoked. The skulls piled at the base of that enormous slab of stone were sacrificed on that altar. What's that? Oh, Miguel just described it, my dear. The stone slab was the altar. No, I mean in the center of the altar. Probably the debris of centuries. I just saw something stir. Well, completely naked. That girl's tongue. Poor, poor child. No. There, now. Oh, he's lovely. He's so warm. Well, how could he be warm? It's so cold and damp in here. Well, he must have been left here a few minutes ago. Well, perhaps someone left him as a... It's a warning to us. Oh, but impossible. There is no other entrance beside the stone doors, not even windows. This was the sacrificial chamber of these ancient people. Well, then how, Miguel? I don't know. And I'm afraid the answer, if we ever find it, will not be pleasant. Well, at least whoever left him had sense enough to leave some protection. There's a woven mat on the altar. See? And that is one of the mysteries that troubles me. What are you saying, Miguel? 
the fabric the child is lying on. Examine it. Yes. Yes, I see what you mean. It was woven when the temple was new. When a bright star appears in the east and a child is born, there is a season of celebration. But when a child appears on a sacrificial slab of the temple of an ancient people who worshipped the devil, what will the season bring? We live by the philosophy that no one is born evil. That only time and circumstance can corrupt the innocence of an infant. And yet, deep within us, we feel some doubt when monsters arise. What made Cain? Was Adolf Hitler or Jack the Ripper ever a clean slate? Why should we not wonder even stronger when a child appears out of nowhere in the temple of Satan? Well, I am not happy to see you leave, my friends. We'll miss you too, Miguel. Oh, of course, but I wish you had not decided to adopt the baby and take him with you. I would have preferred you to leave him here with me until I could uh, ascertain what his origins are. I think he's right, Amelia. There's still time to change our mind. Oh, no. No, we fought harder to take him with us than those artifacts from the chamber. I'm not going to give him up now. What difference does it make where our son came from or who left him there? He's a perfectly normal baby and he means more to me than trophies we're carrying off. Well, if you have made your minds up, then all I can say is via condios. I am very delighted that you both have what you wish. Stephen, your find would have an historical impact. Our find, Miguel, would have been impossible without you. And my gratitude for helping us with the baby. We've named your godchild Michael for you. Ah, <laughs> a great honor, Emil. You'll keep trying to trace his parents? Yes, if that is what you wish. Don't try too hard, Miguel. It doesn't matter where he came from. We're all he needs from now on. I hope you are right, Emilia. Stamper here. Oh, no. I'm sorry. That will have to wait. And look, another thing. Don't set up any more interviews. My wife and I have had it. All right, I'll let you know. Right. Don't be so short with Conrad. He's only trying to promote your book. I know he is, Amelia, but we're entitled to some privacy. We've been back home for almost a year now, and I'm sick of interviews and publicity. The people poking around here. Oh, you know you don't mean that. You're positively glowing with success. Yeah. You proved your theory about the pre-Teltic people, the influence they had on earlier civilizations, and well, just look at the results. Academic honors and all the fantastic sale of your books on the expedition... This year's been good for you, Steve. Well, of course it has, Amelia, but if we hadn't gone on that bloody trip, we'd have some peace at least. We wouldn't have Michael. Well, no, you're right, my dear. Oh, he's quite a handful for a kid his age. Only a year old, he's been walking for months. And he's such a good-looking child. 
He's so well behaved. No, too well behaved. You know, it's scary. He hardly makes any sounds at all. Oh, count your blessings. Our neighbors envy us so. They want to know how I discipline Michael. <laughs> He's such an angel. Doesn't need any discipline. Well, maybe he does, but I do. I've got to finish my notes for the lecture tour. Are you sure you won't come with me, Amelia? Well, who'd look after Michael? Well, Karen, she's perfectly capable. Nonsense. I mean, you'd be gone a month and he needs me. So do I. Oh, don't tell me you're jealous. Oh, no, no, no. But I am disturbed. You've got to give a little, and Don't try to smother him. It's no good for either of you. expect you home so soon. It's Michael's birthday, so I thought I'd be early. I was taking a sentimental journey back through the years with Michael's birthday books. Here he is at two. <laughs> yes, I remember. We took him to the zoo and he was fascinated. <laughs> Here he is a year ago. Five years old, growing like a weed. Oh, that reminds me. What can I do to help with the festivities? Oh, Nothing. Just relax. Where's Mike? Well, I, I sent him out to play. On his birthday? I don't understand. What's wrong, Amelia? Nothing. The party's off? No one's going to show up? Is that it? Oh, who cares? Well, you do for one. Why aren't they coming? Because we have stuffy neighbors with stuffy children. I just think it's time we moved. Oh, they're all out of step, hmm? That's right. Take their side. Oh, for heaven's sake, Em, I'm not taking any side. I just want to know... Well, he tears butterflies apart, yanks legs off frogs. Well, he's inherited your scientific curiosity. Oh, you know that's impossible. Well, I mean, you would you set an example for him? Um, level with me, would you? What happened between Michael and the fielding child? Nothing. I, I, I told you. All right, then. You don't mind if I call them and straighten this out? You you, you go ahead and, and call. You'll agree. It. It's a tempest in a teapot. I'd rather hear it from you, Em. Sarah? This is Stephen. Stephen Stampler. Well, yes, I know. I read your note. Well, can you tell me why? Michael did what? Are you sure? I see. Yes, I know how you feel. And, uh... Thanks for being direct. Bye. Well? Uh, I just don't understand. Curiosity. It's simple, childish curiosity. Children try to discover the world around them. They, they smell, taste... They hurt? Well, yes, sometimes they hurt. Not out of malice. Try to be honest, Em. How would you feel if you were Sarah Fielding? I hope I'd have the good sense to take things in stride. Would you? I can't believe it's you, Amelia. You've lost all sense of objectivity. And you've lost all sense of proportion. Are you trying to cast Michael as a, as a monster? I'd like 
to understand him. But I think I need help. And so does he. Mena? Oh, <laughs> there you are. How are the silver bells? Fine. But the cockle shells are a bit droopy, and so am I. Oh, nonsense. Very gallant, Stephen. But age is beginning to catch up. I don't know where the last ten years have disappeared. Seems only yesterday that Michael was six, entering school for the first time. Now he's almost grown. Seventeen. Oh, my, you look handsome today. Are you even wearing a tie? <laughs> yes, so I am. And what's the occasion? We have a friend in town, old Cerubius. Oh, I didn't know he was in this day. Well, neither did I. He's consulting with the museum people, and he'd like to see us. I asked him out to lunch. Ah, oh, that was thoughtful. Now, there's no need to fuss, Amelia. Of course not. I'll get the soil off my hands and throw something together. If Miguel doesn't mind, I certainly don't. Well, thank you, Anne. Is there anything I can get from town for you? No, just hurry back. Serubius is dying to see Mike. What, what, what time is Mike due here? Oh, dear, I forgot to tell you. There was a letter from Michael in the morning mail. He's staying at the academy through the holidays. Well, that's odd. Did he say why? Well, he wants to catch up with some schoolwork, and there's an experiment going in the lab. He, well, he just can't leave. Well, that's too bad. Miguel was looking forward to a visit with Mike. He made quite a point of it. This is quite a machine. <laughs> it sounds like my coffee grind. <laughs> it's reliable transportation, Miguel, despite the noise it makes. <laughs> and how is the boy? Well, very well. And so is Amelia. You look fit. I should be. I still clamber over rocks like a mountain goat and dig interminable tunnels. Have you uh, found anything more at the old digs? Enough to verify your findings. But one thing we never discovered. No trace of Mike's parents, eh? No, no. I have shown the pictures you sent me to every man, woman, and child in the region. Nothing. Hmm. Wait, how is he getting on? He seems to like it at the academy. As a matter of fact, things are going so well there, he won't be home for the holidays. I'm sorry. Oh, it's too bad. I must see him. You... Well, perhaps I still can't. Well, he's not due home until the summer vacation. In that case, Mohammed must go to the mountain. That's quite a trip. <laughs> not to see a godchild. <laughs> Well, here we are. We're here at last. Miguel, how nice to see you again. It is always a pleasure, dear Amelia. Oh, you look more enchanting than ever. Oh, thank you. You're so good for my ego. I have drinks set on the terrace. Would you like to unpack first? Uh, no, I think not. A drink would be fine, and then I must be going. But you've just arrived. I prepared lunch. We haven't seen you in years. Too many years. I know, but I may get a chance to stop in before I go home. What made you change your mind? He's going to visit Mike. Aren't you, old friend? 
Yes, I think so. Oh, he'll be delighted, as we are disappointed. I hope so. It would be nice to feel wanted by a godchild I have not seen since he was uh, uh, an infant. I'm sure he'd love to see you. He keeps asking about you all the time. You can feel flattered, Miguel. You seem to be the only human being he has any interest in. Yeah, besides you and Emilia. Of course. That's a strange thing to say. Oh, you must forgive me. I have not been in civilized company for ages. My... Conversation is a little, how do you say it? Rusty? Exactly. <laughs> my bones and my speech are undoubtedly growing rusty. That is why I want to see him on this trip. I may never have the opportunity again. Could you get that, Stephen? I'm just finishing the shelf, dear. Very well. Michael, I don't understand. No hello? Should I go out and start over again? Quit not, silly. Hello, darling. Uh, that's more like it. Stephen, it's Michael. Mike! I know. Mother had the same reaction. I just got through sooner than I thought I would, so I rushed home. Put your bags in your room, and I'll fix something to eat. You look well, Dad. Why shouldn't I? Measure is good for the thinking classes. Well, you look a bit drawn. Are they pushing you? No, I'm pushing myself. There's so much to do. What's new? Your godfather paid us a visit. He wanted to see you. Well, here I am. Well, you had to leave. Obviously, he didn't get to see you at the academy. No. I didn't even know he planned to make the trip. Well, that's odd. He said he would go to the academy directly. We must have crossed paths. Oh, excuse me, Mike. Hello. Yes, this is Dr. Stephen Stamper. Would you mind reading it? What? Would you read that again, please? Oh, my God. What is it, dear? It's a wire from the academy. They found Serubius. Found him? Yes. Miguel is dead. Michael! Michael! Are you home? He's out of here, dear. His car's gone. Strange. He seemed under the weather this morning. Well, he didn't want to attend the funeral. Oh, nonsense. He just wasn't feeling well. You still believe that act after all these years? You know, he's always avoided unpleasantness that way. Well, it was unpleasant, Stephen. An old friend to go that way. All right, all right, Anne. It's all over. What could have done it? You mean who, Anne? No, I don't. Nothing human could have been responsible for Miguel's death. I wonder. You wonder what, Dad? Where did you come from, Michael? You startled me. I was in the garage. My fan belt's loose. I was tightening it. You should have come to the funeral. What for? I never saw Professor Cerubius. He was your godfather. You were his namesake. I wasn't feeling so hot anyway. I thought I was coming down with something. How do you feel now? Better, I think. 
You look healthy enough to me. Well, that doesn't mean a thing. I'll put the tea up, and then it's off to bed with you. She still thinks you're a child, Mike. I know. I want to talk to you, Dad. That's why I came home from school. Well, that's true. I really don't know what I want to do. I think I've had the academy. But you said you liked it there. You're doing well? I know, but I, I can't make the scene there anymore. Too much work? No, not really. I'm just not on to some of the stuff I've got to handle there. The creeps in Fairmount are still living in the 17th century. They'd have witch burning if the law didn't forbid it. What's that got to do with you? Well, some of my experiments have got them on the warpath. How about your working in the physical sciences? Well, not exactly. I've been going beyond that. Like what? Well, for one thing, ESP. You've always felt I had it. Well, that's not considered supernatural today. Yeah, I know, but the townies think it is. Well, that's all the fuss I think you should stay on. It never pays to bow down to ignorance. I'm glad you see it that way, Dad. Oh, but there's more, isn't there? Huh? What do you know about my people? Where I come from? Not too much. How about Cerubius? Well, he thought he was on to something. He was on his way to talk to you about it. Mm. Too bad we missed each other. Did you? Well, of course. I told you I was on my way back here when I heard... That's not exactly what happened, Mike. He called me from the airport when he landed. What did he say? I don't know. Amelia and I were out. He left a message with our answering service. He said he was going right out to see you. That he had phoned ahead. I never heard from him. And that if anything happened, there was a letter that he was mailing to us. Well, then you did hear from him. By mail, at least. We never received the letter. Did you? Now you're accusing me of tampering with your mail? I'm only asking, Michael. Do you really think I saw Cerubius that night? Did you, Mike? You're as bad as the townspeople. What do you want to hear? A full confession? Okay, I saw the old man. I killed him. Is that enough? Or do you want me to invent the gory details, too? Fear can be a force for good or evil. It can keep us from harm. Or it can be a malignancy that feeds on darkness and ignorance. Is Mike a victim of rumor and coincidence? Or is he truly evil? There is a peculiar kind of fear we call courage that makes us go on when all we want to do is find peace and shelter. It makes men who fear heights climb mountains. Soldiers who detest war and suffering advance on bloody battlefields. Some call it pride rather than courage. Choose now. Retreat now and regret it, or go on with me to Act Three. Mark, I've just heard from the police. They're still running down leads on the murder of Cerubius. But they admit it seems hopeless. Too bad. Did you ever get the letter he said he mailed you? No, I 
Neither do I. How are you doing in the workshop? I don't know. Thank God frogs are such fast breeders. I kill them off so fast. No results? Only with our neighbors. They seem to connect my frogs with everything bad that's happening. The Gilmore child comes down with meningitis. My frogs are responsible. The, the drought and the unusual heat. The salmonella outbreak. All part of my wicked machinations. How would you like to come out of retirement? Both of you. What do you mean? I'd like to go back to the place you found me. To see if I can trace my origins. Maybe I'll find myself then. Well, I don't know, Mike. I just hadn't thought about it. Well, then don't. Let's just do it. <laughs> it's a gift from our loving neighbors. It's a note attached to it. Let me see that, Mike. This is your last warning. Leave or we will send you back to the hell where you belong. <laughs> They're not all clods after all. Someone has imagination and a gift of expression. This is no laughing matter, Mike. I'm going to find out who's responsible for this outrage. Dr. Stamper, delighted to see you. I think we can do without the formalities, Reverend Stokes. I just want some answers. Yes, so do I. I haven't seen you in church for quite a while. You're very fortunate I didn't attend last week. I don't think you'd care for my reaction to your sermon. Oh, then you don't believe in the presence of Satan. No, I don't. All I know is what that kind of talk leads to. Oh, the brick, you mean. I'm sorry about that. Well, yes, you should be. You've got these farmers half insane with your superstitious prattle. Some say that about religion. I wonder why. All right, let's not get sidetracked, Reverend Stokes. I don't want a theological debate. I want you to tell your congregation the truth. And what is that, Dr. Stamper? That my son Mike raises frogs for his lab experiments. Shall I tell them to believe in coincidence? What coincidence? That a peaceful town is ripped apart every time your son returns. That cattle die for no reason at all. That we are suffering epidemics and the worst drought in our history. All because of coincidence? Yes, yes, you tell them that. This is the 20th century. What else could it be? Ask your son, Dr. Stamper. Ask him... If he's just doing lab experiments. I told you, Dad. I'm going back where you found me. With or without you. Mike, that is foolish. Cerubius excavated for years but found nothing. What makes you think you care? Because I was born to it and Cerubius was not. He was contaminated by Spanish blood. My lines are pure. I need to find my way to another world. Will you come with me? You're not serious, Mike. I've got to go, Mother. I thought you'd understand. Well, I do. I, I just want you to think things through a little longer. Go back to school. Just finish this semester, and then we'll all go back. I promise you. That makes sense, Mike. It's only a few months. What do you say? Okay. But I won't let you stall me past then. I think my word is good enough. It is, Dad. Then, that's settled. Now, why don't you take Dad out for a walk? This room needs cleaning and airing. Are you implying? Not at all. I'm uh, stating it quite clearly. Either I clean this place now, or I'll send in some goats to keep you company tonight. Now, shoot. Okay, I'll go. Uh, how about the keys to the car? 
I thought we were going for a walk. Take a rain check. I'd like to drive into the city. I'll be my guest. Here. Just drive carefully. Don't worry. I'll be back for dinner. Can I give you a hand, Amelia? I don't think so, Stephen. My, this place is dusty. I'll empty the trash basket for you. Just dump things in the uh, plastic bag. Don't you feed Mike, Amelia? <laughs> Could I do? Look at all these hamburger wrappings. Well, I think he feeds his frogs with them. Oh, no. What's wrong, Stephen? You're as white as a sheet. Yeah. It's a piece of paper. Well, what is it? It's part of an envelope, Amelia. The one that contained the letter Serubius wrote to us. <gasps> oh, my God. Why didn't I... Destroy the letter? That's what I'm wondering, too. And I don't like the answer I get. Hello. Yes, this is Dr. Stampler. He what? Can't be. We'll be right over. Yes, but I, I want to see my son. What is it, Stephen? What? Stokes. I don't want to see him. I want to see my son. Hello. Hello. He hung up. What happened? Mike. They're looking for him. What for? They claim he's killed someone. I don't believe it. What? With the car? I mean, it was an accident? It was no accident. They found Claire Baxter dead. What's that got to do with Mike? They claim he was seen near the place where the body was found. Where's Mike now? He's disappeared. They found our car in the ravine. Oh, no. I'll go see. Good evening. Yes, Reverend Stokes, what is it? May I come in? No, you may not. Now clear out of here. What's wrong with you, Steve? Please come in, Reverend. Thank you, Mrs. Stampler. I know it's painful, but I must talk to you. What is there to talk about? Your son. I tried to reach you before with facts, but you wouldn't listen. Well, why should I have all these silly nonsense? No nonsense this time, I'm afraid. Your son has committed murder. Just because he was seen near where the girl was found, I'll bet half the no town... No one else in there. town would kill the way Claire was slaughtered. Please, I don't want to hear any more. Can we just sit quietly and wait? For what? For your son to return. And then what? Then we'll... We'll do what must be done. You won't wait here. Now be sensible. There are men just beyond this door. I would prefer to do this as reasonably as possible. Do what? Just ask him a few questions, Mrs. Sampler. Now please let me handle this. Or would you prefer mob violence? Ask your questions, Stokes. Oh, I'm here. You might save yourself. Not yet. I've got a score to settle with old Nosey. Sit down, Michael. It's all over for you. For you, meddler. No, Asmodeus, your time has come. Asmodeus? Asmodeus, Satan, whatever you call yourself, sit down and answer my questions. I've changed my mind. I'll answer your questions if you catch me. Stop him, Stephen. Please don't let him go. No, I'm in it. Don't worry. 
Stokes will never get him. Neither will that mob. He's on his way back. Back? Where? Where we found him, Amelia. In the sacrificial chamber. Sarovia said someday Mike would return. Just a while longer, Amelia. I'm all right, Stephen. Do you think we'll find him? He wanted so badly to find his way back. He must be here. I'm glad he got away from the mall. I'm not so sure about that. I pieced together Sarubius's letter from the scraps in the wastebasket. It explains a great deal. Michael was not just an ordinary Indian child abandoned by his parents. The tribes have a legend about the pure-born son of kings who is sacrificed for his people. Do you think Michael? I don't know, Mina. I don't know what to believe anymore. There's a light. In the chamber ahead. I know. Hold this lantern, Amelia. Hold it high. Don't come any closer. Michael. Oh, thank God we found you. Where are you, Mike? Boy, we believe in you. We trust you. Stay where you are. Do as I tell you. We, we want to help you. Then leave. That's the best you can do for me. You kept me from my destiny when you took me from this tomb. Let me fulfill it now. We love you, Michael. Please save yourself. Hold the lantern higher, Amelia. What is it? There's a child, Em. There's a baby on the altar where we found Mike. It's Michael. Oh, my God. It's Michael. It, it can't be. Yes, I remember every detail. Stay back, stay, stay back, Amelia. Don't come any closer. It's a child on the altar. It's Mike. Someone or well, something is standing over it. <coughs> oh no! Oh no! I can't believe it. The child's are... Oh God, no! all over now. Whoever it was has disappeared, Amelia. He's gone. A child is born, becomes a man, then dies. The natural order of things. No one can upset it. But not in the case of Michael Stampler, or whatever his true name was, he was plucked out of antiquity by accident and returned there by desire. Our cast included Patricia Rowe, Ralph Bell, Don Scardino, and Ian Martin. The entire production was under the direction of Hyman Brown. This is E.G. Marshall inviting you to return to our mystery theater for another adventure in the macabre. Until next time, pleasant dreams.
preceding Mystery Theater program was furnished by the CBS Radio Network. Your dial is set for 15 minutes of late news with John Scott reporting. This is WOR New York, an RKO General Station, your station for news as it happens. Thank you guys for listening to this episode of the Foggy Jack Live Podcast. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at FoggyJack13. That's where we're most active, and that's where you can find all of our other shows that we have here with daily updates on the new shows. Also, click the link in the bio for our t-shirts. Make sure you grab a Foggy Jack Live t-shirt. We have quite a few different styles of t-shirts we have. From the classic orange logo to a purple logo to... Even a Playboy Mansion model logo. Go check them out in the bio. You can also find our website, all of our other social media accounts, and so much more. If you like the show, please consider joining our Patreon page for $3, 5 or $12 a month. With all of those, you get five bonus episodes a week. Plus, I'm going to start sending out postcards to each and every one of you every month for the podcast and thanking you guys for being a member of the Foggy Jack Live Patreon page or the Pumpkin Guts episodes. You can also be a sponsor to the show. You just go over to Patreon and look for the sponsorship tab. Thank you guys so much for joining me down at the Pumpkin Patch where the haunters meet the haunted. I will see you next time on the Foggy Jack Live podcast. Thank you. Goodbye, and blessed be. Oh, it's getting spooky in here. Have you been looking for a podcast that'll keep you entertained for an hour? Have you been looking for a podcast that has cryptids, paranormal, and music? Have you been looking for a podcast that'll keep you on the edge of your seat? Have you been looking for a podcast that is a combination of haunters, cryptozoologists, folklorists, and many more, all in one place? And have you been looking for a show that is a continuation and extension of the Foggy Jack live podcast? Well, I have a solution for you. That's called the Foggy Jack Collective Podcast, where the haunters meet the haunted from around the world. That's right. We have professionals coming in from around the world to teach about paranormal, cryptozoology, talk about horror movies, and so much more. Please join us every other week on the Foggy Jack Live Podcast or on the Foggy Jack Collective Podcast. Just gotta search either one of those and you'll find us. Hope to see you guys down in the pumpkin patch where the haunters meet the haunted from around the world. When you watch horror movies in summer, do you cry out of angst for the Halloween season? Have you ever wondered what happens behind dark, spiderweb-encrusted curtains of a haunted house? Do you believe that ghosts, goblins, and witches walk the same street you do? Do you have to snort pumpkin spice just to get your fix? Well, boy, oh boy, do I have a solution to all of your aching problems. The Foggy Jack Live Podcast. Where the Haunters Meet the Haunted. Each week on the show, you'll learn behind-the-scenes info of the haunt industry, the talk of the paranormal and cryptid industry. We also talk about horror movies, Halloween, and so much more. So please join us each week for this creepy, kooky, mysterious, and spooky Foggy Jack Live podcast. And we'll catch you down in the pumpkin patch where the haunters meet the haunted.